Good afternoon, church family. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me uh, for this midweek manna. I'd like to open up with a word of prayer, and then we will get right into the word this afternoon. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O oh God, we ask your hand, your blessing, Lord, upon this day. Certainly for those that are watching this midweek fill-up, Lord, bless their lives. Let them know, O oh God, that they are loved, that they are being thought of and prayed for this day. Lord, may this, your word, be a blessing for each and every one of us who hear it and receive it. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So, let me uh, begin this afternoon with a devotion from Jesus Calling. It says this, Let me anoint you with my presence. I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords, dwelling in unapproachable light. When you draw near to me, I respond by coming closer to you. As my presence envelops you, you may feel overwhelmed by my power and glory. This is a form of worship, sensing your smallness in comparison to my greatness. Man has tended to make himself the measure of all things, but man's measure is too tiny to comprehend my majestic vastness. This is why most people do not see me at all, even though they live and move and have their being in me. So enjoy the radiant beauty of my presence. Declare my glorious being to the world. A good word for us this day. Let me include uh, two scriptures for us uh, so that you can refer to them. The first being uh, from James 4.8 and secondly Psalm 145. 3 through 6. And I'll just end with this verse here. They live and move and have their being in me. I hope and pray that each and every day our identity is not attached to something that is worldly, something that is fallible, something that will ultimately rust or fade, but in all things, we can find our identity in God, who is our refuge, our strength, and our salvation. A big thank you to Sarah Young, who always has a relevant word for us this day. So church, I, I wanted to let you know that uh, my family and I are going to take some vacation, an early summer vacation to uh, the beach. J just a little bit of background on that. Uh, Emily ever since she was born, um, has taken some kind of beach trip. So that, that has been a long uh, family history of hers. We took that up uh, 15 years ago and have continued that. And of course, uh, had the children and uh, make it uh, a family experience. So uh, we're going to go get uh, get refreshed, get renewed. Uh, Patrick Thomas is going to be delivering the word this Sunday. Wanted to let you know about that. His theme is going to be God's love. He's still searching the scriptures, finding a uh, chapter and verse that he will preach from, but I wanted to give you 
that heads up. Uh, Fuzzy Bradford is going to be the liturgist, so a big thank you to Fuzzy. It's going to be Communion Sunday. I wanted to let you know that we are going to reinstitute the loaf, so we no longer have to uh, eat the wafer, but we will continue to use uh, the cup, the plastic cup with the juice in it. So we will offer, you will receive and go uh, and partake of the sacrament in, uh, in that way. So I wanted to, wanted to let you know uh, about that early. But there, there was a, a devotion some days ago that spoke to me that I want you to think about that. And, and it's along uh, the same lines, kind of going with the theme of, uh, of God's love. It, it's entitled, Loving Others Well Doesn't Always Look the Same. Loving others well doesn't always look the same. This is a, a reflection by uh, Pastor Stanley, and, and I wanted to share it uh, with you today. <clears throat> Have you ever jumped in to help someone only to discover that your intervention did no good and may even have prolonged the difficult situation? This can often be the case when a parent wants to protect a teenager or a young adult child. Instead of letting the child suffer the consequences and learn from the mistake, the parent often, right, rescues them, thereby sabotaging an essential life lesson God could have taught them. Knowing whether or not to help someone isn't always a clear-cut choice. After all, Christians are called to bear one another's burdens, to help those in need, and to show compassion and kindness. I'm not saying we shouldn't do these things, but I am recommending, recommending caution in overstepping what God wants us to do. He alone knows the best way to help a hurting, straying, or mistreated person. Sometimes our motivations for helping others are not as selfless as we'd like to think. Our main concern may not be God's will, but our desire for someone to do what we think is best. The best advice I've ever gotten regarding intervention is to ask myself, have you earned the right to speak into another person's life? In other words, how much time and energy have you invested in this relationship? And does the person, here it is, actually trust you? If not, he or she has no reason to listen. This question has become a helpful filter for moments when I, the writer, need to speak up with my husband or hush up with my acquaintances on Facebook which I think can be so true. But even among good friends and family, intervention is a sticky thing, right? Because unfortunately, as Dr. Stanley reminds us, confronting our loved ones can be more about us than the other person. Looking back, I know I've grown tired of friends' issues and forced my advice upon them straining even our relationships with frustration and rejection. Though it always starts from a place of care, my involvement contains traces of fear, of control, and impatience. With 
the long-lost notion of God's sovereignty buried somewhere deep and underneath. So the key to fiercely loving our people while respecting God's paths for them may be found in Paul's famous exposition on love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Often a scripture text that couples want read, of course, at their wedding. The very first word he uses to define love is patient. Patient. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. And isn't that the quintessence of true love and his relationship with me? How many times have I, have we, strayed from Jesus? How many times do we run from Jesus, even or gotten distracted? And all the while, what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do when we run, when we stray, when we disobey, when we ignore? What does Jesus do? Very important here. Think about that for a moment. What does he do? He waits. He waits. Silence. Absolute silence. Sometimes it's like that for Jesus. Absolute silence. Waits in silence. Who's he waiting on? He's waiting on me. He's waiting on you. He waits. He waits. Remember that. One thing is clear from gospel accounts of Jesus and from Paul's letter. Love does not rush or force its way. Let me say that again. Love does not rush or force its way. Though we often confuse patience with giving up, there's something very active, purposeful, and accepting about God choosing to wait and to be with us as we flounder like a fish out of water. May His ever-present stance be true of us with our loved ones, and may our waiting be just as compelling as our speaking. Love that. Spoke to me. Ministered to me. I've been there, and I'm sure you have as well. What do we often do? What is our human nature? We want to force things, right? We do it out of a position. We do it out of motivation uh, for, for care, for love. Uh, we're scared. We're fearful. We want to help, but we often force it, right? It's forced, okay? There's something there in this text about being patient. So I want to put that on your heart. I want you to go, please, and to read 1 Corinthians. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to read that whole chapter, chapter 13. Pray yourself through that. Ask God to reveal to you what you need uh, to hear and to struggle with and to process your mind through in terms of patience, patience for someone 
who may need another dose of it this day. Whether it's you, whether it's a loved one, whether it's a friend, whether it's a co-worker, whoever it may be, patience, there's something there. There's something spiritually valuable about that for us this day. So, let me end with a word of prayer. Uh, we will be back uh, next Sunday, which I believe off the top of my mind is Sunday, May 9th. I will look forward to seeing you in worship then. Enjoy Patrick Thomas. Enjoy the worship service. A big thank you again to Fuzzy Bradford, to Robert Hauser, to David Denman for putting communion together. I'm glad that we are in worship together once again. And a big thank you for the production team of Rachel Stoneman and Dan Gardner this day. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, it literally takes a village to make ministry happen. Not one person, not two people, but a village, Lord. And we need your blessing, we need your anointment, we need your guidance, Lord, as we do what you have ultimately called us to do. Lord, we do run, we do stray, we do sin, Lord. We do force ourselves, Lord, often, and force, Lord, situations to happen. Lord, is that ultimately your will? Well, we need to approach each and every person, each and every situation, each and every detail with life, or in life rather, with prayer to know that fully. But I pray this day what we can take from this devotion is this. Are we forcing our will upon someone else? Or are we ultimately surrendering to you first in prayer and saying, may your will be done. Lord, let us leave it there and let us put, Lord, our fear, our anxiety, our sin into your capable hands this day. Lord, we trust in you. Bless us and keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, you have a wonderful day. God bless you. Take care.